minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thank you, Kyle. I am very excited, as always. Every Friday, we are just rearing to go. The weather in Wisconsin has been worse than the Packers' season, but I am absolutely pumped up for our continued deep dive into the Packers' offseason. Absolutely, and we are recording this on Valentine's Day night, so big shout-out to our wives for being okay with us, prioritizing the Green Bay Packers for all of you listeners. This is how much we love you guys. So um, here we are tonight. Um, we're going to get into some draft trade scenarios and spend some time taking a look at the scenarios that might present themselves in the draft that might warrant the Packers trading up or trading down and even what could entice or prevent them from moving up and down in the draft. Uh, The Packers currently have 10 selections in the 2019 NFL draft. They have one selection in each of the seven rounds, as you would expect, but they also have the additional first-round pick that they picked up from New Orleans last year in the draft day trade that landed the Saints with Marcus Davenport. And, of course, they also have the additional fourth-round pick that they received in exchange for HaHa Clinton-Dix from Washington and a sixth-rounder from Seattle that they received when Seattle acquired Brett Hundley. So with all that draft capital, the Packers are in a pretty unique situation to move around the draft and position themselves to really land the players that they desire most. And we could speculate endlessly about trades throughout the draft, but we want to focus on the Packers' first three selections at picks 12 30 and 44 that occur in the first two rounds and look at how moving up and down from those spots could be a benefit that they would consider. So let's go ahead and start at pick 12. Uh, Andrew, who are some players that might tempt the Packers to trade up from the 12th pick that they currently possess? Yeah, we talked extensively last week about how the top edge rushers are just shooting up the draft boards. You have Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, and Quinnen Williams that are all likely top five picks. There is the potential for three quarterbacks, in my opinion, to go in the top ten. On a side note, there is no way that Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, and Drew Locke are all deserving of going that high, but quarterback inflation is in full effect. So even so, Brian Burns and Ja'Kai Polite could both be gone by pick 12. So I could see the Packers looking to move up if they fall in love with one of the top four pass rushers. But in my opinion, probably not Clellan Farrell because I don't think he's necessarily a great fit with what they have. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what you would guess, Andrew, that it would cost to make that move up for a player like, let's say, that Brian Brian Burns or Ja'Kai Polite or even Josh Allen, if they decided that being aggressive was the route they wanted to take. What's that going to cost? So according to the draft 
trade value chart that I took a look at, the Packers picks could get them one of the following kind of values. Their first number 12 overall is worth about 1,200 points, and the 30th pick is worth 620. So if they package those together, in theory, that could get them to the fifth overall pick with Tampa Bay at 1,700. So the Packers would be trading a little bit above value, but of course that's what's going to what it is going to cost. If Josh Allen is the guy or something crazy happens with Nick Bosa's medical and he slides, then the Packers may be willing to turn both first rounders into that elite top-notch edge rusher. They could also package 12 and then the uh, second round pick, 44, uh, which is worth about 460 points, to get them up to number seven with Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville's pick is worth about 1,500, and so again, a little bit of an overpay by about 160 points. The Packers might not want to um, let their guy fall to pick eight to the Detroit Lions, so they could be willing to part with their second rounder to nab either Brian Burns or Ja'Kai Polite. Um, and then if you look at the 12th pick and the Packers third pick or, or number 75 overall, which is worth about 215 points, that could get them up to ninth. So they could jump from 12 to nine with Buffalo. If a second rounder is too rich for Brian Gutekunst, he may be willing to part with a third round pick to get the last one of those elite pass rushers that might be moving up the board. So in each of those situations, the Packers obviously take a slight hit on their overall value. So there might be a late round pick coming back their way uh, for one of those teams. But typically you are going to have to overpay to move up the draft board. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing we have to consider is that it is unlikely, although not impossible, but unlikely that the Packers would be able to move up very aggressively for a player until all the top quarterbacks are off the board. And this is my opinion, but if a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray or Drew Locke is still on the board, the Packers would be likely competing with highly inflated quarterback prices to trade up. And other teams like Miami and Washington would most likely be willing to give up more than the Packers would be willing to move up. Uh, those guys, they're going to give up more to get their quarterback than the Packers are going to give up to give get their edge rusher in that scenario. So where these quarterbacks go is going to be critical in how the Packers draft turns out. But let's turn our attention to scenarios in which the Packers might be tempted to trade back from pick 12. Yeah, and this is really where I was a few weeks ago as I was really encouraged um, about the trade down scenarios. And now with all of sort of that inflation of pass rushers to go along with what you talked about with the quarterback inflation, suddenly it's like, well, if the Packers need to get an edge rusher out of this draft, maybe they have to move up. Um, but trade down still very appealing, especially if some of those quarterbacks go first. And, um, you know, as they move up, talented players are going to fall. If Brian Gutekunst seems, sees some similar value in players 12 through, let's say, 25, he may, get, he may go looking for um, some extra draft selections and the ability to hit on a few more players. Green Bay has a lot of holes to fill in the roster, and additional picks are certainly going to go a long ways to meeting that need. So moving back from 12 may mean losing out on TJ Hawkinson, but there are players who could be available, like offensive lineman Cody Ford from Oklahoma, uh, Clellan Farrell from Clemson, even though I just said maybe he isn't the perfect fit for them, uh, Mississippi State edge Montez Sweat, safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida, uh, wide receiver DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, Kansas State uh, offensive lineman Dalton Reisner, who I know Kyle loves. 
Yeah, yeah. So lots of good options if they are willing to make this trade back. So I'm curious, what is the payoff? What could they realistically expect to get back in return if they're willing to make this risk and move back a little bit? Yeah, and so these are just a few examples of ways that the Packers could get some good compensation. So if if they were to trade their 12th pick, and in this scenario, the Packers would also be packaging their first fourth round pick, 107, um, to Cleveland, they could end up with the 17th pick and then the 49th pick overall. So that's Cleveland's second rounder. This scenario would allow the Packers to hopefully still fill a major need at 17 and then turn their fourth rounder into a second rounder. I just feel that if Gutekunst can fill the edge rusher needs through free agency, they would have the chance to fill a ton of other needs in this draft by trading down. Um, But that is certainly a big if on uh, counting on free agency. Another trade scenario that they would have is they could move pick 12 to Houston for um, their 23rd overall pick. The 54th pick, that's a second rounder, and the 86th pick, that's a third rounder. So that's a pretty big haul, um, although you are sliding down 11 slots in the first round. I believe Packers Twitter is probably going to explode if something like that happens, um, if they slide down that far. But if Houston covets a player in this draft, they may be willing to mortgage their future um, and the rest of this draft to get them. The Texans have enough talent that they may feel like they're, you know, just that one major player away from a run at the Super Bowl, similar to the way New Orleans did in last year's draft. Meanwhile, this would give Green Bay six picks in the top 86 and then eight in the top 111. So talk about uh, building up your your chances at hitting on a bunch of different needs that you may have. Uh, the final scenario that I came up with was the Packers could move from pick 12 um, to pick 24 with Oakland, and then they could also pick up the 35th pick. Uh, so that's a really high second rounder. This is another option for a pretty drastic trade down. But securing pick 35 could assure Green Bay gets one of their top three tight ends in addition to, um, you know, also having two other picks that are going to be pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. So lots of options that they can maneuver to get to the player that they want. Um, It is really interesting that even a small trade back for the Packers could net them a very valuable pick, something like a third rounder that could obviously turn into a really impactful player. Or the Packers could use that pick as trade capital to get them uh, in a trade-up situation from 30 or to trade up from 44 to land a guy that they really like. Andrew mentioned the scenarios in which Green Bay is willing to drop all the way back to picks like 17, 23, 24. And he mentioned that the Packers' Twitter could lose its collective mind if that happened. However, remember last year, we did make a significant drop with New Orleans, and then we found our way moving back up to get the player in Jair Alexander that we wanted. So anything as possible i was one of the fans losing my collective mind but uh, all things worked out for the best but if the packers don't want to move quite as far back a couple of teams to keep an eye on are miami and washington both the dolphins and the redskins need their quarterback of the future and they very well may trade up ahead of where green bay is selecting at 12 to get their guy but if they don't and a top quarterback is on the board at 12 green bay's pick becomes an absolute gold mine And with Miami selecting just one slot behind Green Bay at 13, the Packers could simply say, hey, Washington is willing to give us a third round pick to move back 
to pick 15, but we really don't want to go that far. But we will do it for that pick because we think it's valuable. But why don't you, the Miami Dolphins, give us your third-round pick, and we'll just swap picks with you. That way we still get the player we want, and Miami, you get the quarterback of the future that you need. Um, And we've seen some crazy prices that teams have been willing to pay for quarterbacks in the past, and it could be really fun for Green Bay to be on the receiving end of a couple extra picks, whether that's in 2019 or even 2020. But I really like the potential for the Packers to be able to hold the Dolphins and the Redskins kind of hostage here if the right quarterback is on the board at 12. But there is another scenario in which quarterbacks might factor into the Packers' willingness to trade back. So, Andrew, let's talk about why teams might be gunning for the Packers' 30th overall selection. Yeah, over the last few years, we've seen that, um, you know, the end of the first round is a place where teams may be identifying one of those secondary quarterbacks uh, and moving up to get them. And and there's certainly going to be a lot of teams who would be looking to trade up into that area. And specifically, um, you know, teams looking to get their quarterback of the future. And this is going to allow them to get that fifth year option, which delays a huge payday if that quarterback turns out to be worthy of their draft status. You can think of what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson last year as the perfect example. So here's a couple scenarios that, that I identified that could be beneficial. Uh, Green Bay could trade pick 30 to Denver um, for the 41st pick overall. That's a second rounder. Uh, And then picks 106 and 118 that both fall in the fourth round. With the Joe Flacco trade, Denver may not be willing to take a quarterback at the top of the draft, but they certainly could look to move up to the end of the first round. And again, poor Joe Flacco finding his team moving (laughs) up to get that rookie quarterback at the end of the first round. Um, But Moving down 11 picks isn't a colossal drop at that point in the draft, but it nets two additional fourth rounders, which would bring their net total to four. So um, they have a lot of ammo to to move around the fourth round or potentially trade up um, with some of their later picks. Uh, with an, another option is moving pick 30 to Washington. So we talked about Washington potentially being a target at 12. Um, but if they wanted to get their quarterback later, uh, they could trade this, their 46th pick that's in the second round and the 76th pick that's in the third uh, to Green Bay. And the Packers would turn their second first rounder into a second second See what I did there? And a second, (laughs) third round pick. So they'd have two in the second, two in the third. Um, And again, this is a great way to build up your resources and start to meet some of the needs that they have. Uh, A very similar trade would be dealing pick 30 to Miami. We already talked. Pick 12 could be a hotbed. But then again, you know, if they fall in love with the quarterback for the 48th and the 78th pick. Wow. Yeah, lots of options there. Anytime we mention... You know, teams like Denver getting a quarterback in Joe Flacco and maneuvering like this to make these moves, it should just make Packers fans so much more thankful that we have enough issues to figure out this offseason. But having our quarterback in place and not giving up a middle round pick for a quarterback that may not be an improvement over the quarterback you have on your roster it's a good place to be. So let's be thankful we're Packers fans and we have Aaron Rodgers. But uh, let's consider. If the Packers were interested in trading up for a player from pick 30, 
uh, what that would look like. It, it would likely cost them their third round pick to jump up eight to 10 draft slots there. So if a player they really like is slipping, I could see them doing that. However, if the Packers trade their third round selection, they would not have a pick between 44 in the second round and pick 107 in the fourth round. And that is a long time to go between picks. So I would guess they would be more likely to trade up from 44 than they would be to trade up from 30. But that's obviously just a guess. And we can only get so far into this. But I did want to talk about the Packers' second-round pick at 44 because that is really starting to get into the zone of players that could have gone in the first round but for whatever reason slipped. We saw this happen with Josh Jackson last year after being projected to go in the top 15. We saw Harold Landry slip into this general area in the same way. Uh, so lots of possibilities of players that could have gone so much earlier, but for one reason or, another, reason or another fell into the second round. But let's say a prospect Green Bay really likes is on the board at the beginning of the second round. Green Bay could choose to part with one of their fourth rounders to go up and get that player. And that's really where this extra pick that you got for HaHa ha Clinton Dix becomes really valuable. Uh, you can afford to give up a fourth rounder to propel yourself up to grab that fringe first round player. And that's what's so exciting to me about this draft. The Packers have a ton of needs. They're well documented, but they also have a ton of picks. But even more, those picks give Brian Gutekunst the necessary ammunition that he would need to manipulate the draft board to get the prospects that Green Bay needs. All right. So, Kyle, I have a challenge for us. Let's oh, let's get a little crazy. today. OK. All right. Brian Gutekunst has been pretty aggressive in the trade market so far. And if you look at the two Super Bowl teams, both New England and Los Angeles had a significant portion of the roster that was acquired through trades. So I wanted to throw out a couple ways the Packers could use their draft capital to acquire veterans. So the first one that I'm going to take on would be wide receiver A.J. Green from the Bengals uh, being acquired for the second round pick the Packers have. Okay. I feel like A.J. Green's career has really followed the Andre Johnson career arc. He's been so great for so long with such mediocre quarterback play that fans around the league just really take him for granted. And the idea of pairing Devontae Adams with another elite receiver is the things that dreams are made of. Um, so this compensation seems pretty low, right? A second-round pick for an elite receiver. But A.J. Green is 30 years old. He plays receiver. He's on an expiring deal. And so I feel like a second round pick would be more than enough to acquire him if the Bengals are willing to get rid of him. Yeah, absolutely. And with all the coaching changes there and uh, some culture changes, maybe it would be something that they would consider to kind of rebuild that roster. Um, I've got one here, a little bit crazy. LaShawn McCoy from the Bills for a seventh round pick, right? Um, so running back is not a huge need for the Packers, but they are really only too deep at the position. And we know that LeFleur plans to run early and often, even deploy some two running back personnel looks. So adding a back is definitely not out of the question. So why McCoy? Uh, McCoy carries a $9 million cap hit for Buffalo right now, uh, but only a $6.5 million cap hit for the team that trades for him because Buffalo will eat that bonus as dead cap. So if a team decides that McCoy is worth that $6.5 million, they could probably secure his services 
for a late round pick because Buffalo may just be kind of at the point of dumping him. So um, another interesting option that Green Bay could pursue at running back would be Duke Johnson. And with the Browns signing Kareem Hunt this week, regardless of what you think about that, Duke Johnson may be available for a late round pick and is obviously a dynamic playmaker as a runner and a receiver. And Green Bay clearly has a strong relationship with Cleveland or Green Bay East. And a trade for Johnson is something that we could see materialize and something could that could be viewed as an asset for this team going forward. Yeah, so certainly the Shady McCoy deal would be the flashy uh, because he's the bigger name. But Duke Johnson provides a lot of that that same uh, versatility and probably would be um, a really nice alternative to Tevin Coleman on the free agent market. So yeah, absolutely. Kudos to you for for coming up with that and using some. Uh, recent news to uh, find a, a trade possibility. Um, I'm going to go with Edge Vic Beasley from the Falcons for a third round pick. And and honestly, I think a third round pick is a little high, but that's probably what the Falcons are going to be looking for. Beasley has been super up and down, um, but he is a pure pass rusher. He's entering his contract year. He was really, really good if you go back to 2016, but at, he's he's been very below average ever since then. He has boatloads of potential, and there are plenty of pass rushers who took some time to become consistent threats and then um, just became really, really good players. Uh, the Packers could handle the cap hit for this year. They're going to get a motivated player entering his free agency season. Mike Pettin is great with developing players who have underperformed historically. And Beasley is better than any edge Green Bay is going to get in the draft in the third round or later. So Absolutely. Could be a value pickup there. Um, And I'm going to take one here that's going to cost something for sure. So we're going to talk about the possibility of Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars for probably something along the lines of a first and a fourth round pick because he is an elite player in this league. Uh, this would seem kind of like a strange use of the Packers' resources given that cornerback is no longer a huge weakness on this defense like it was not long ago. But still, the intrigue of acquiring a young top shutdown corner is really intriguing. And certainly this could be something that the Packers would consider if Ramsey really was on the trade market. And pairing Ramsey with Jair Alexander and Kevin King would give the Packers an incredible cornerback group. And I don't know, you know, what you're willing to give up. If you're willing to give up pick 12, if you're willing to give up pick 30, um, it's going to cost you something. But getting that kind of an elite cornerback group could be interesting to the Packers. Yeah, they they always say you can't have enough good cornerbacks. And there's a lot of teams, a lot of very successful teams in this league who identify uh, what are strengths on their team and just keep improving those areas and make no qualms about maybe having some weaknesses in other areas that they deem not as important. And certainly in Mike Pettin's defense, cornerback is crucial. Uh, So that would be really interesting. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with a much... A uh, much less flashy deal, and that would be <laughs> tight end Jack Doyle from the Colts for a fourth round pick. It doesn't get much less flashy than Jack Doyle, <laughs> but the Colts have a ton of cap space, so it wouldn't maybe make sense for them to trade somebody who's been pretty reliable. But they do have two aging tight ends who are both entering their contract years in Doyle and then Eric Ebron. They might be tempted to move Doyle if someone would offer a mid round pick. 
Uh, Jack Doyle is never going to be a glamorous starting tight end, but as he proved last year, he'd be one of the best number two tight ends in the league. And his ability to block and catch is exactly what Matt LaFleur is, is looking for. Plus, if they flipped HaHa Clinton Dix for Doyle, that would be the biggest win I could possibly imagine for Brian Gutekunst. Yeah, that's always a fun way to look at it. Like, what did you get for, you know, Ah, Clinton Dix. What did you get for Brett Hundley? It's it's a fun way to look at it. Um, this next one here is the one I'm most nervous about, and that is considering wide receiver Antonio Brown from the Steelers for what I'm saying is a draft pick because I do not have any idea what the capital required here is going to be. Um, but I've previously felt that bringing in Antonio Brown is a really bad idea, and I'm just not sure that the off-the-field headaches are going to make him worth acquiring. But obviously he is super talented, and his reputation in the league will be more important than his reputation among fans. So the Packers will have to vet him and figure out what all the details of his situation are. But that said, Brown's price is probably dropping with his recent request for a trade, plus his ongoing off-the-field issues. Uh, But the Steelers almost find themselves in a situation where they have to trade Brown now. It's almost uh, an irreparable relationship at this point, and there are rumors that the Steelers want a first or a second-round pick for Brown, but it's looking more and more like they might have to settle for something like a third or a fourth-rounder just to simply get him out of Pittsburgh. So the Packers will have to determine if Brown's on-the-field abilities warrant bringing him in, especially considering the cap hit that it will require to have him on the team. But just from a football standpoint, having Brown and Devontae Adams both catching passes from Aaron Rodgers is something that most fans would love to imagine. Like Andrew said, it's what dreams are made of. And uh, just uh, on Wednesday, the Packers were the given they were given the second greatest odds by Las Vegas to be the team that actually lands Brown. Uh, and as they say, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But we will see and we will wait and we'll see if there's anything to this. But uh, still trying to wrap our minds around it. But it could be something that the Packers decide to spend a draft pick on uh, to make happen. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, certainly the most controversial of all of the potential trades and and something that uh, I'm going to be really interested to see, whether it's with Green Bay or or another team, what happens to Antonio Brown this offseason. So that has been our look at how Brian Gutekunst can become the most famous trader since Benedict Arnold. Hey, got my joke nice. in this week. There you go. This this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please let us know what you think about our trade scenarios. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week with more on the Packers offseason. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... One kick away from the NFC Championship game from the 41. Left hash mark, 51 yard, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick to the upright, and it is ready!